Episode 73, PCOS and Weight Loss. Welcome to the School of Weight Loss podcast, where we empower you to reach your healthy weight goals with less wasted effort, money, and time. This is the podcast that uses evidence-based tips and tools to simplify weight loss for the ladies who've tried it all. If you struggle with obesity or being overweight, you're tired of endless dieting and never reaching your goals and just plain tired with life, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, obesity medicine certified physician, life and weight loss certified coach, Dr. Emily Vinzan. Let's get this episode started. Hello there, ladies. I'm excited to bring you a health-related topic this week that is so prevalent in my younger ladies who are struggling with their weight, and that is polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. And we're going to cover it from a very evidence-based look at weight loss. And I wanna share with you that there's a lot of bunk information out there on PCOS and weight loss. But the second thing I want you to hear especially for my ladies who are a little bit older and are like, I don't know, I don't know if this topic relates to me. I want you to know an interesting phenomenon that I've seen in my coaching program. Rarely, if ever, have I seen an older lady in our group who's past childbearing age, who's maybe even menopausal, tell me that she had PCOS. I think that's so interesting because it's so common in our younger ladies. I think we missed it a lot in some of our ladies who are a little more advanced in age. We weren't diagnosing it as aggressively potentially because we didn't know the complications. We didn't really understand it like we do now. And we still don't completely understand it. So if you're like, what is this PCOS? I don't know if this episode is for me. I still want you to listen for a few minutes because you may relate to this and this may be an aha moment for you that you didn't even realize. PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, is pretty vague, ladies. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, most of you think that means I have cysts on my ovaries, right? Polycystic cysts on my ovaries syndrome, polycystic ovarian syndrome. That is PCOS. Most commonly, we see women present with PCOS based off of the symptoms that they see. They don't necessarily feel a cyst, right? They don't know that the cysts are there, but we can see symptoms in our bodies that present. And the reason that this seems to be evolving is that many ladies who present with infertility or difficulty getting pregnant have PCOS behind it. Not everyone, but many have PCOS behind it. And that's important because I think that's why we're catching so many of our younger ladies with it, but maybe we didn't with our ladies who are a little bit more advanced in age in the past. So struggling to get pregnant is a common side effect of PCOS. But for my ladies who are a little bit more advanced in age, I want you to know some of the risks that come from PCOS. And this is why I wanted you to at least listen to a part of this podcast before you tune me out. If you're like, I don't, this doesn't relate to me. Because PCOS, if you have it, is associated with a two to three-fold increased risk of prediabetes and type 2 diabetes, a four-fold increased risk of sleep apnea, a two-fold increased risk of depression and anxiety, and a two-fold increased risk of endometrial cancer. Let me say that last one. A two-fold increased risk of endometrial cancer. 
So even if you're past childbearing age, you're like, I don't know, maybe did I have this PCOS thing? Do I have PCOS? Does it matter at this point if infertility is the biggest problem? I want you to know there's a lot of associated risks that come if you have PCOS. Even if you're past fertility age and not maybe so concerned about those complications. So let me revert back to explaining PCOS because I think we do a horrible job of explaining this in the medical community. And there's a reason for that. It's not totally understood. We're understanding more and more of what happens behind it and why it matters. Why would something like cysts on your ovaries be associated with an increased risk of endometrial cancer, of diabetes, of sleep apnea? And I want you to know a few things that matter. First of all, ladies with PCOS, 50 to 80% of them are overweight or obese. 50 to 80% of ladies with PCOS are in the overweight or obese category. And one of the ways to change these complications is to lose weight. We'll come back to that in a few minutes. But many of the complications are decreased drastically if you lose 5 to 10%. It's in my category of those 10% weight loss wins. And I cannot tell you how many ladies who've come to my program who have struggled with infertility, been through fertility treatments, told me I was told to lose weight, but I really wasn't given a plan or why it mattered. I just thought it was one of those things doctors always do. Those of us who struggle with weight are like, if I go to the doctor, they're just going to tell me to lose weight, right? That's our thought. Same with PCOS. Many of our ladies are going there. Most are overweight or obese. They're told to lose weight and they're like, okay, yeah, right, I'll try. But I can't tell you how many ladies, their periods became normal when they lost the weight. And that matters for a few different reasons. Periods becoming normal, ladies, may just feel like, okay, well, if I want to get pregnant, that matters. But frankly, if I don't want to get pregnant, I don't really care if I don't have periods. But that is what's associated with the increased risk of endometrial cancer. So let's go back one step to say, what is PCOS? I think if you just bring it back to the very basics of it, it's pretty nondescript, but it's a hormonal cascade issue. It's actually hormonal more than anything else, okay? And ladies with PCOS have higher androgens or male type hormones in their bodies. That's what happens. That's at the base of this. But that hormonal cascade affects more than just your ovaries. It's very complicated. It's not totally understood, truly, even at this point. But that hormonal cascade is what leads to insulin resistance or prediabetes. And that affects your health, no matter your age. They are at increased risk of diabetes going forward. The other symptoms associated with PCOS have actually been pretty well-defined at this point. They had a big convention a few years ago of all the world's experts and said, we're going to go with a specific criteria, it's called the Rotterdam criteria, if you wanna look it up, to define PCOS. And here's what that looks like, ladies. There's three markers to define PCOS. One is what we call oligoanovulation meaning you don't ovulate as often as we would expect. You can understand how that would lead to fertility issues, difficulty getting pregnant. But there's a lack of ovulation, so you have less often regular periods. That might be how you see it. I don't get my period regularly. It only comes a few times a year. The second is what we call hyperandrogenism. And what that means is you can get male pattern hair growth, right? Like the chin hair growth 
the chest hair growth. Hair growth where you might expect it in your spouse, but not in you. You can also start losing hair in male pattern ways as we get a little bit older. So those higher male hormones cause you to ovulate less often, have less periods, and have a little bit more of the male characteristics. These are not women who look like men. They just have a little extra hair. They may get a little hair changes that you wouldn't necessarily expect. And you may or may not see cysts on the ovaries on a sonogram. So those are the criteria to diagnose polycystic ovarian syndrome. Less often periods, irregular periods that come less often, male pattern hair growth, or high testosterone levels, and cysts on an ovary. But the complications that come from it are a little different. You're like, okay, well, maybe I wouldn't like having the hair. Maybe I wouldn't like not having my period. Maybe I would like not having my period, right? Do I need to even look at this? If I'm looking at this, looking back, why would I even need to address this now? And I wanna share with you, it's all the health risks that you probably notice are very consistent with weight-related health risks that can come alongside PCOS. So I want you to think of this right now. I was thinking of a good analogy, and this is in the front of my mind right now because we have a camper that we're remodeling. <laughs> yes, remodeling is the key. My husband was like all about the outside, and then he said, we're done, and I was like, mm. Have you looked at the inside? I haven't even started. Right? And I am a girl who loves that. Like you give me a project like that. I am on it. I love painting. I'm not like artistic painting, but I love like painting walls and redoing that and making it look so pretty and updating it. And I was thinking of PCOS as I've been painting this week. And I thought it's so like redoing a camper because the campers have these walls up, right? That are wallpapered. And I've been reading about that. And they say, don't strip the wallpaper. There's literally like board underneath. You can't strip the wallpaper, but you can paint over it. Okay. And I started painting over it and I put my primer up and then I put my first coat and I'm like, this does not look very good. And I covered it with the second coat and I'm like, okay, we're better. I still don't think it's quite to my standards, but it's a lot better. I'm gonna let it be okay. I'm doing my, my own theory of progress over perfection, right? And the reason that this is like PCOS is I want you to know one thing about me. I love to get stuff done. I'm like the queen of a checklist, right? I love to get it done. That's been my work this year. A healthy you is not a checklist, right? But I'm the queen of skipping the primer. Historically, I'm like, I don't have to. There's primer built in. Do I really need to do that? I really wanted to skip the primer. And as I've painted this camper, I've thought so many times, what if I had skipped the primer? <laughs> what if I did what I normally want to do, which is skip the primer? This thing would be a disaster right now. And the reason that I want you to think of this when you think of PCOS is we want to skip the primer. As in many diseases, we want to fix the symptoms right? We're like, get rid of this male pattern hair growth. Please, this is bothering me. If you tell me that I need to at least have more regular periods to decrease the risk of endometrial cancer in the future, give me a little progesterone challenge. Fine. But the primer behind fixing PCOS, ladies, is weight loss. It's weight loss. It's weight loss. The primer behind fixing PCOS is weight loss. I know I said that a lot because most of you ladies who struggle with PCOS, by the way, if you don't and you have a friend who does, please share this episode because there's a lot of bad information out there on PCOS. There's a lot of people telling you what to do and it's not true. I like to say that it's true to them. 
Let's just put it that way. It might have worked for them, but there isn't really necessarily scientific proof to back it. When we look at PCOS, if you're a person who struggles with weight, got told again, lose weight to fix it, put it on the back burner, that it's like just another thing the doctor told me to do. Maybe you went and presented with infertility. Actually, I have had clients who've gone to the biggest experts out there and they were told to lose five to 10% and given no plan to do that. So here's what I know you do. You like search the internet and you find what some weird guru in who knows where tells you to do while you wanna get pregnant. A PCOS is a condition that you will deal with for life, ladies. It's not just about getting pregnant. It's about being healthy as you go into pregnancy. It's about being healthy after pregnancy. It's about decreasing the risks of endometrial cancer later in your life, the risks of diabetes, the risks of sleep apnea. This is why weight loss is the primer, okay? And here's what we know. I want you to know that all of this is based off of a huge conference where the experts basically in the world got together. Let me see if I can find in my notes when it was. I think it was like 2018 and they did like an international conference to discuss what do we want to do with PCOS. So this isn't some side note that somebody's making up. This is huge studies that have been reviewed and confirmed. This is what we do with PCOS. We know that if you'll lose 5% or more of your initial body weight, we see clinical improvement in fertility and metabolic parameters, as well as health and improvement in quality of life. I love this recommendation. Physicians should explain the purpose of attempted weight loss. And here's what I wanna follow with. And I think this is important for you all analysis paralysis ladies. A 2018 systematic review found no significant differences among various diets for outcomes. No significant differences among various diets for outcomes, okay? The primer is weight loss. The answer is 5% or more and doing it in a way that works for you, period. I've been looking at other programs. We're kind of getting ready to bring in some fun new things to my program. So just make sure to keep following along. And I've been kind of reviewing other programs, seeing what I like about it, what they do that looks fun, that would be beneficial. And I gotta tell you, there's a lot of promises out there going on in the weight loss industry. I get amazed by like, this diet is promising this. And I'm like, why is that diet specifically? Oh, it's weight loss that creates that result, right? So I don't actually think they're lying. I think that they're giving you a result that weight loss creates and a process that works for them. And I want you to know that with PCOS, the answer is 5% weight loss and staying there in a way that works for you. There is no single best diet to create that result. Finding a way that works for you is the key, ladies. It will improve your risk of insulin resistance and prediabetes. It will improve your risks with sleep apnea. And likely, it may make your periods more regular. And more regular periods helps with getting pregnant, as well as decreasing the risk of endometrial cancer later in life. That's how weight loss is the primer. So I think so often we put it on the back burner for diagnoses like PCOS. Trust me, these are the ladies I treated in my clinic. You were my ladies. I did it in practice as well. And I know what came in. It was either like, I don't like this hair or I'm not having periods. Is that a problem? But I want you to notice that it's a bigger picture issue and weight loss is the primer behind it, okay? So let's talk about weight loss with PCOS. 
When we look at weight loss, we want to achieve at least a 5% weight loss, however it works for you. And I want to give you my recommendations in terms of creating that weight loss plan. It doesn't mean you have to go keto. Insulin resistance, pre-diabetes, we tend to think cutting out carbs, right? That's never bad for you. But you don't have to go all the way to keto to do that. You can start cutting back on your breads. You can start cutting back on your baked goods, your cookies, your candy, right? You can cut out juice. The other aspect of that is to go to a more standard meal plan. Stop snacking all day. It pushes our pancreas to make insulin way too much. We need it all day long when we snack all day. Fasting may be an option for you. There's many different options out there that don't have to follow a set meal plan, but do require changes in your eating. Changing your eating is the key to weight loss. It just is, ladies. So I want to give you a few things to consider in doing that. In Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss, we focus on the energized eating plan. Energized eating plan. If you're interested in this, I have a free webinar that's coming up later this month on how to boost energy and lose weight. Your energized eating plan. Food's intended purpose, ladies, is to give your body energy. Yes, we use it for a lot of other reasons. We were raised that way, culturally we do it that way, emotionally we do it that way. It's just the standard. But the intended purpose of food is to energize your body. So to change your eating means to first look at food differently as an energy source. If you are a lady who struggles with PCOS, that energy source can include less high carbohydrate foods. And remember in that, ladies, that is your candy, your cookies, your cakes, your donuts, your scones, your croissants, all the baked goods, the candies, the breads, all the heavy bread options, the pastas, but it's also your drinks. It's your high calorie coffees, your Coke, your juices. I actually lived in the Caribbean for a few years and they had a big issue with diabetes because of natural juice. They just drank so much of it. These are all spaces where carbohydrates sneak in and that can increase the risk of insulin resistance. How you cut those back in order to create weight loss doesn't have to be all the crazy keto rage, right? You don't have to be like, I saw there was carbohydrate in my dietary fiber. (laughs) That's how we tend to go. Leafy green vegetables have carbohydrates. No, that is not consistent with creating the future that helps you live at that goal weight. Let's look at it instead. If I'm eating to energize my body, what does that look like? I'm going to cut back on my candy. I'm going to cut back on my baked goods. Start there. You can always increase it as you go forward. So the energized eating plan starts with what you eat. And for ladies with PCOS and insulin resistance, making a little key change in that carbohydrate is key. Doesn't need to be keto level. Just needs to be a cutback to get you a 5% weight loss to begin with. The second is when you eat. Stop snacking. Stop snacking. It's the easiest start, right? Ladies are always like, should I do intuitive eating then? No. If you've got a family to feed and a lunch break, intuitive eating is tricky. It just means you eat when you're hungry. If that hits at 3 p.m., you're going to be in trouble if you're at work, right? But we can create energized eating plans to work around your schedule so that you are hungry at lunch. That's how we focus on it in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss. That's a little bit more complex, 
for my higher level ladies, but I want you to just start by cutting out snacking. When we bombard our bodies all day long with these foods that require insulin production, we end up with insulin resistance, too much of it, and then we peter our pancreas out. Stop snacking to begin with cuts at least time periods where you're not eating to cut that down. Fasting is another tool for my ladies who are a little more advanced and ready to take that on at the next level. And then the third part of our energized eating plan is how much you eat. And like I said, that's the way to navigate this in a way that fits your life. You're most energized when you stop when you're naturally full. I think that's kind of an annoying way to say. I stop when I like literally have a pause and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's enough. I could get up. I could walk around the block. I'd be good. I'm not stuffed where I'm going to vomit, but I'm not still hungry like most diets tell me. That's how you maximize energy. So the energized eating plan looks that I would take for PCOS might look like where are my biggest high carbohydrate cutbacks first, cutting out snacks, and just stopping when I'm full. Ladies, that alone is enough to get you a 5% weight loss and correct so many of these complications with PCOS. The last thing I want to tell you all is that when you eat to energize your body, it's important to just tell yourself, I'm eating to energize my body. That alone will help you create a plan that's so simple and works for you. So I always suggest that each day when we create our plans, we're like, I eat to energize my body. We start there. That will put you in the correct think, feel, eat cycle to help you create a plan that will work for you in the long term. So for all my ladies out there who struggle with PCOS and any of you who are looking to energize your body, we are doing a free webinar later this month on Boost Energy, Lose Weight. The link will be in the show notes. Register and join me. It will be so good to help you learn how to create this plan. But I just want to reinforce for all of you that PCOS, I just find it so interesting that my older ladies never really tell me that they have it, they had it. I think it may have gone undiagnosed in many of you. And these health complications are what you'd be looking at at this point. The prediabetes, the diabetes, the sleep apnea, depression, anxiety, that I do see in my ladies who are a little bit older. My younger ladies, you might be approaching this from a fertility issue. You can go to your doctor. There are tests that can be done on testosterone levels. You know, if you're looking at fertility, obviously you're going to have a way bigger gamut, but at least checking your blood sugars, checking your hemoglobin A1C, checking for sleep apnea, checking for depression screening, checking for potentially testosterone, and they may or may not do a sonogram of the ovaries to take a look at it. There is a workup if you're questioning this. You can go to your doctor to discuss that further. But I want you to know when your doctor tells you, lose weight, and you think, oh, that's just for the hair on my face, it's for a bigger purpose. Weight loss is the primer for PCOS. I have had ladies in my program, one lady lost 85 pounds, and I had tears when she told me, why didn't somebody tell me before? My periods have never been more regular and I've struggled with fertility for years. That is a game changer for your future, no matter what age you're at. I hope this is helpful. If you loved it, leave me a review. Share it with a lady who says maybe she has PCOS or maybe she had PCOS. She likely still has some of the concerning complications. Remember, 5% weight loss is the primer to correct all of those metabolic complications that come with it. There is no set diet for that. Think of eating to energize your body by minimizing some of the higher carbohydrates, by stopping snacking and creating an energized plan that works for you. Have a great week, ladies. If you loved today's episode, make sure to share it with a friend who needs to hear it too. Leave me a review and click subscribe to get the latest updates on all my new podcast episodes. 
Ready to reach your healthy weight goals and drop the endless diet cycle? Head on over to emilyvinzantmd.com and learn more about working with me in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss, my virtual weight loss coaching program. The link is in my show notes.